Hello, podcast listeners. Today's episode is with Student Resource Officer and Army Vet Kenny Hall. During our conversation, we talked about everything from poverty to parenting, addictions, and the importance of developing good character. Without a doubt, Kenny has influenced in the lives of children all over our city in a way that is helping them grow into productive citizens. I'm so glad that we get to learn about this work and so much more in our conversation. With that, here's today's episode with Kenny Hall. Kenny Hall Jr. I didn't know you were a junior. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Tell me the story. So you, you said you, you're a junior and then you yeah, my, it's continuing the Kenny Hall is continuing to be passed on. That's right. That's right. My my dad, uh Kenny number one, senior. We called him Big Kenny. He was born in Paragold, Arkansas. Um, he went into the military, into the to the Marines, and I was born in San Diego. So it's I'm a number beautiful two. Beautiful place to be born. That I never seen it till I was older. Uh, we moved back here when I was young. My brother was also born there. Um, then I got married and had a family. My son Kenny, number three, mm. is born here in Paragold, and. He's currently a Navy diver, so he's overseas. He's a right? what diver? A Navy diver. Nice. So he's fifth generation military. Uh, he is in. He's overseas right now. His wife, and and she's pregnant with Kenny number four. Awesome. They're stationed in San Diego, so he he will be born there. That's so really cool. Two Kennys here. Comes full Kenny's circle. It is great, and we have already have a five year old grandbaby there, Joanna June. So that's named really after cool story, Amy. Man. Yeah, yeah. Amy June. Yeah. Fifth generation, San Diego is one of my favorite cities. I think I've been there four or five times. Uh, uh, love that spot. You you said your son is fifth generation, mm-hmm. so you were in military as well. Uh, yes, yes, sir. What were you in? Army. You were in army. Mm-hmm. From when Dad, did you go? When did you go in army? How old uh, were you? I was. I graduated seventeen. Went in the military. Seventeen. Uh, did you yeah. graduate from Paragold? Well, here's a story. Okay. Um, so I went to about 12 different schools growing up. Uh, Mom and dad were uh, 16 when they got married, young, moved around quite a bit. I always said my mother had gypsy blood. Uh, six months somewhere, and we were moving again. Really? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I could say I probably lived in about 25 different homes that I can remember. 25? What, Sometimes, what states were you in? Were you in? Uh, Alabama, Arkansas mostly. Okay, just back in the south. Between, huh? Yes, we would move into Paragould and, and then move, move out. Moved back to Paragould. And back then, if you lived in, let's say, on Baldwin Street, uh-huh. you went to Baldwin School. Uh-huh. If you moved to Pecan Grove, where I lived. That's Elmwood? You, there right. you go. If you moved out south of town, you went to South Tech, East Tech. You know, part of Paragould is it's the way it's cut up. Did you go to different schools here in Paragould? Yes, I did. Where'd just, you go? Just about every one of them. <laughs> and sometimes half a year and then back to the other one another Jeez. half. Jeez. It was just... Uh, Why were y'all moving so much? You said... I think it was economic, socioeconomic. You know, uh, we never owned anything. My dad died never owning a house. Mm-hmm. So that was just one thing that instilled that in me when I was young. I did not want to... want to. I wanted to own something. I wanted something that I could pass down to my children. Mm-hmm. And it's not a... I'll say, before we talk very much, I'm not beating anybody down. That sure. was just the way they lived. Sure. Their lifestyle. Yeah. Um, but dad died a couple of years ago and pretty much gave me everything that had his name on it. Mm. So I've got his tools and just little things like that, which I will try to pass on to my Kenny mm-hmm. and then his Kenny. What does your parents do for jobs? Like they, uh, they have one certain career where they kind of just jump around and be like, Hey, however I can make money. Like dad was always involved in some t- something to do with fuel. Uh, when he was in the, in the mm-hmm. Marines, I think he worked 
with fuel. And he worked for DX, which was a company, I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, Tom Loveless owned a company here. Uh, so he worked for them, delivered fuel, and he was always around that. Uh, gas station, uh, 76 truck stop in West Memphis. Mm-hmm. Used to be there. Mm. Um, we lived in Mayfair Apartments, which is where the West Memphis 3 happened. Uh, I mean, I lived in Marion, Turrell, Gilmore. Yeah. I can tell you like four different cities in, around Birmingham because I had an aunt that lived there. Uh, yeah, just a lot of movement, which, you know, at uh, one point in my life, I hated it so much because by the time I was 13, I was a professional mover. Yeah, that's I mean, hard. picking up washers and dryers and moving them up downstairs. Uh, but it had to be hard to build long term yeah, friendships. Were, there, there were none. Because you know, like, and probably like, hey, I like you, but there ain't no reason for us to get super close. I'm probably moving in a year. That's right. And, and, you know, if you're a new guy coming to school, and that's why, you know, I'm an SRO now. Yep. At, for the past seven years. Uh, so some of my stories, I can relate to some of my kids moving into town. And uh, I'll say, you know, I didn't grow up here. I moved back here and, and graduated tech my senior year. Uh, I played football at Turrell, and then I moved back down here, and my friends thought I was weird. They thought I talked. I don't talk. I didn't talk like I did do right now. You're I mean, probably was, a mutt, man. Like you picked up a little bit here, a little bit uh, there, a little bit yeah, there. Yeah, and I had the mullet and all these. <laughs> oh, that's, all these well, that's back in style, man. Well, all these clean cut guys like Chris Bass. I, I know you're familiar. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, I played football with him at Tech, and he was just so clean cut, and I was. Smoking cigarettes and, and <laughs> yeah. cussing and just you know I was I was rough. Were you rough all through uh, your teenage years? Um, I say about ninth grade is when I went went left. Um, and when you say went left, what do you mean? Like I just, mean again, smoking. I had a motorcycle. I would drive it all over Marion, West Memphis. It didn't matter. I mean, I was stealing my dad's Camel non filters. You know, just doing stupid stuff. I should have been in jail or hurt or something, but uh, my parents worked all the time. So, but mm-hmm. I also worked too. I mean, I started mowing yards. I can remember uh, doing anything I could do to make some money for myself. I was always being really independent. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know why, uh, but something God instilled mm-hmm. in me, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, I would always save my own money, try to buy my, I didn't want to wear the pants that my mom wanted to buy me. You know how that is. Oh, I, know exactly I didn't understand the struggle that was going on. You know, as a parent now, yeah. you see things a different way. Yeah. But I was like, let me have my money to put with your money to get yes. me some. Something. To get you something that's actually going to, like, not get you made fun of. Whenever you know, you, yeah. yeah. Walmart shoes. Yes. Know, which Walmart was not what it is nowadays. I know, man. I You know, that's a big part of my story, and Chris has heard it, and everyone who's, you know, close to me has heard it. But, We'll we'll do this thing at times where we'll it sounds like it's torture, but it's it's meant to bring freedom. And we'll have people list like what are your most traumatic events growing up, and sometimes people say oh, I don't have any trauma in my past. I'm like, well, everybody's got trauma in their past. It oh, may yeah. not be big T trauma, maybe it's little T trauma, maybe it's but but and then they'll start thinking, well, you know, this really hurt me when it happened. But I look back at it now, and I'm like, okay, well, well, if it hurt when it happened, like it was important, and that shapes you. And one of the things that was in my story was when I was in sixth grade. Uh, I wore fake Tommy Hilfiger shirts. We couldn't afford the real thing. And I remember uh, a doctor's kid and a couple of other guys, who actually became friends of mine much later on in life, they knew it was fake. They called me out on it, laughed, laughed, laughed. And, and I can look back at that and be like, ah, it's not a big deal. But as a sixth grader, that's a massive deal because that's your world. That's, you know, right. that's your everything. That's right. So, like, you know, to not be able to have that. And so I'm curious, you know, for me, and I'm sure you'd say the same thing for you, it's probably why you're doing what you're doing for a career. But 
to this day, man, like it, if I see a kid who doesn't have much, uh, or doesn't have the name brand clothes, whatever else, like I have a, I have kind of a righteous anger for that That's kid right. That's right. to where I just feel like protective of them. And it's like, cause I know how hard it probably is. Like, would you say that's true for you? Yeah, like, no, that- no, it's, 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 I mean, 100%. Um, you're talking about where I figured out when I went left, that was part of it. That was, you know, I was a chubby kid. I played, uh, football in Marion. I was a lineman. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of big, mm-hmm. uh, got made fun of. Uh, I didn't want to fight. I didn't like to fight. But the neighborhoods I lived in, it was always there. And because I was a big kid and I had an older sister and a younger brother, I was right in the middle of everything. Oh, wow. So uh, by the time I was 11, I'd already had my nose broke once, and which me and my brother and sister fought, too. I mean, you, but if you mess with us, you got all three of us. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I can pick on you, but you can't yeah, pick on that's us. Yeah, right. that's right. And then moving from – Harvard Yard. I don't know if you know where that's at in Marion. Um, so as you're going into Marion, like when you first break into there where they got all that stuff on the side of the road. Yes. That out there is Harvard Yard. It looks really wow. run down. Uh, but we went from there to Dora, Alabama. Uh, so my ninth grade year, I went from small schools around here to a three-story. It was a massive, massive school. I'd never seen anything like it. That had to be intimidating. Yes, it was. And and I grew about six inches. So I wasn't as chubby as I was, you know. And I started – I was getting confident in my skills to fight and defend myself. Mm -hmm. So I just started walking a little bit different. And Mm -hmm. I started dating girls a lot older than me. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of things that changed over those those couple years. And I was always young. Uh, I graduated at 17. So I would go into ninth grade being the youngest person there. But it was all right. I mean, again, yeah. it shaped me. I regretted I, – I hated some things. But when I look back now, I wouldn't have these stories to talk to some For of these sure. kids that come into my school. Yes. And go, I know what it's like. Yes. I don't know what your situation's like, but I know what, I, what my situation was like, and it sucked. Yeah, and there's a lot more unless you um, – I grew up in Paragould. And, I, and, and, you know, my parents uh, – you know, my dad was – you know, a factory worker, you know, did some ministry and, and my mom worked kind of like a secretary. I mean, you know, my parents are right for it. And so yes. we didn't have a ton of money, but as they got older, they were able to save and we were able to do more. And I mean, I ended up, I would say I definitely grew up in a, in a middle-class lifestyle. I didn't grow up in poverty, you know, and because I grew up on the West side of town, middle-class lifestyle for most of my life, I had no idea how much poverty can exist right here oh, yeah. in a city oh, yeah. like ours. And I had no idea what some people live like here. You know, I mean, I remember when I started working at Arkansas Counseling, um, I would I, I met with hundreds of kids over the years that I worked there, and many of them would be surprised that I had the same last name as my brother, you know, or that my kids had the same last name, you know, because yeah. it's just there, there's just a lot of poverty, a lot of brokenness right here in the community. And I'm wondering, like, if you could speak into that at all, because I think that some people, when they hear this, you know, or they're in parable, that you can be blind to some of that. So, like, is that something, you know, working the position that you're in that you are seeing a lot of, or am I just maybe? No, no, it's it's here, and and I like to reflect on my own life. Um, you know, I moved here, got married, and had kids, and started working and doing that thing. And uh, I really felt a calling to 
to I, I had been in the military and I'd always been protective of other people. I felt a calling to go help, help, help. Because mm. I knew I saw the other side of Paragould. You could drive. I lived in it, you know. Mm. Um, so I knew it was here, but I didn't know what else to do. And then I had a cousin who had OD'd here. And that kind of, that a lot of times runs hand in hand. The, the mm. drug uh, the drug use, the drug abuse, um, and the socioeconomic part of that. Why do you think that is? Which one of those comes first? Uh, you think? Honestly, it's it's for me right now. If you look at our city, it's generational. We've been. I, I drove my uncle around selling dope when I was twelve. That's a true story. He he. I didn't know honestly what he was doing, but sure. I knew some of it. I mean that's and I live beside a guy now who remembers me driving out there, wow. and and who had went and did forty years in prison and or whatever, and and he's like he's so proud of me because of where I'm at now. Uh, but Do you think that these, uh, the you know obviously I mean drugs is an issue here. We've had this conversation with others. I'm curious your take on it. Like, are we going about that issue the right way? Like, it seems like traditionally what or what has been happening is you get caught with drugs you're going to go to jail or you're going to go to prison mm-hmm. is that really beneficial like is it is there is there a way is there a way or maybe am i just like delusions of grandeur here like is it not seem better if we had something in place i know this would take a lot of money and infrastructure yeah. and training but yeah. is there not something we can do to where we're like hey let's put the dangerous people like who's actually like a threat to society in prison and let's take people with addictions and let's put them in rehabs it is if you have the facilities. I mean, name me three facilities in Paragold you can put people in. Mm. Mental health. Let's look at mental health. Where's the facility in Paragold? Yeah. Where I mean, because those ju- that's, those are going hand in hand now. Juvenile right? crime. Yeah. Juvenile crime. Where where are we going to put them here? We don't have a place. Golly, man. So, I so mean, just a lack of it, beds. Well, it's a lack of resources. Yeah, yeah, resources. Uh, yeah, and it all goes just like me. Uh, I sit on a panel. You know, I'm a board member for the Greene County Mental Health Substance Abuse Coalition, which we're ready to take all donations. Mm-hmm. We're trying to do what we can to help these people. Um, we, it, it, It's just staggering what you see on a daily basis. When I started working in the schools, I had no idea that, that were there were counselors in schools like they are. We're not talking about your counselor. We're talking about a mental health professional that was talking to kids on a daily basis. I mean, every kid that's in an ALE school, it's mandatory that they have a mental health professional. Um, they have so many that they have to check in and check out. You know, I mean, we have to keep up with who's coming in the building and so forth. It's it's we didn't have that in school. Mm-mm. If you went to the counselor, you was going to go talk to her about. Mm-hmm. But uh, changing classes, mm-hmm. uh, that's yeah, not that's the way it. it is. But because of the generational drug use here and the abuse, that's one thing you got to remember that really comes along with it that everybody overlooks, the 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 sexual abuse, the yeah. uh, mental health abuse, the physical abuse. Yes. Uh, you know, if, if your parents are in there or your mom or dad's in there doing dope and friends are over, I mean, what's happening to the kids in the house? So it's a real passion of mine to try to prevent those things from happening. But if I don't know, I can't help you. Mm-hmm. So that's usually what I tell my kids when I get, when I get the new ones in. If we have a good talk, I'll 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 be as good to you. And I got that I got taught that from Kevin Gill, who's a wonderful guy. You ever get a chance to sit down and talk to that guy? Need to have the, him on the, the podcast. The knowledge yeah. that he has. Um, but 
you know, he said, I'll be as good to you as you let me. I'll feed you, clothe you, we'll medical care, whatever you need. But if I don't know, I, I can't do that. Yeah. So he's again from Marion. We got hooked up at the Ram Academy. We worked together for a while and it was just like um and we were great together. Yeah. He's but anyway, he retired. Yeah, he's a good <laughs> man. I I'm curious, what what can we do for those who are listening to this? Like you said you want to do whatever you can to try to prevent that. Like is there anything just the like average, you know, Paragold citizen out there that we can do because I think the the temptation and you've seen this I know is to do this right here to just look down on them and be like how could you and you know if I was in their shoes I'd be different it's like no no no, no. like how do we go from that to actually <laughs> helping prevent some of this that's a that's a very good question and I think a lot of people smarter than me need to sit down and talk yeah. about that uh, from what I see we have another epidemic on the rise right now. And if we don't get ahead of it, we're already behind it. What do you mean? Vaping. Vaping. Oh. Uh, what is that? What is the, what's the danger there with vaping? Well, vaping, like me, I smoked mm-hmm. as a kid. I don't I don't use tobacco anymore. Um, I quit about seven years ago. I used to I smoked dip for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then I uh, I've been clean about seven years. Because it is a drug. It is it nicotine is highly addictive. Uh, but the kids nowadays, like when I would smoke, I would look, open a pack of cigarettes go, oh, man, I only got like half a pack left. I better slow down. You don't do that when you're vaping. You're rolling over in the middle of the night, hitting it a couple times, going back to sleep, getting up first thing in the morning. You can vape anywhere. You will have people vaping in church. You will have people vaping wherever they can because they're, they're consuming so much nicotine, they have no idea how much they're, they're consuming. And people think it's a safe alternative to cigarettes? They do. That- well, they think it's it's cleaner, and we we don't know. If you look back, I like to look at the history of things, try to determine where we're going. Look at look at like when my dad was in the Marines, they still would give cigarettes in sure in C rations or MREs. Um, you know, it was very popular in the forties, fifties, sixties. Everybody mm-hmm. smoked. They yeah. did it on TV, but it took years, eighties, nineties. They started seeing the effects from it. Well, vaping is going to be the same way. You know, we already know the dangers involved, mm-hmm. but uh, and now that THC is or marijuana is is legal uh, with a prescription, uh, the the vapes are being sold, and they're being stolen by the kids or somebody's getting them and selling them, and we're getting them in schools, we're getting them everywhere. You know, and it's just an issue. We're, I think it got legalized in in uh, Missouri now mm-hmm. for recreational. Mm-hmm. It's coming. Right, right there, it is. Is vaping the biggest issue I deal with as far as uh, at the student level? In, uh, in that and, and social media stuff. Yeah, yeah. Social, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean bullying, threats. I mean people sitting behind a keyboard, you know, talking smack. Is that happening often? All the time. All the time. Jeez. It's it's. You know, I, I would love to do a social experiment where we go one school year with no phones in schools. I think it would just. It would be awesome. I think the kids would talk more. I think they'd socialize more. I think there'd just be, but you know, again, I'd be the bad guy because something bad would happen and somebody wouldn't have a phone. But how did we ever survive without them? I don't know. I did. <laughs> I know. I can still remember my home phone number though, the last one I had, and that yeah. was in '95. Yeah. I don't know. Two three nine Long. four seven six yeah. two is yeah. how you could reach the picnics. Yeah. There you go. There you go. 
Yeah, yeah long cords you could strangle somebody. Oh with. man, you know my my daughter is. I've got an eleven year old, ten year old, and a six year old. My eleven year old daughter says that all of her friends have phones, and so she's asking for one for Christmas. And I'm just told her it's like you're not ready for it, and I'm the bad guy right now. And um, but the parents I know who have given their kids phones, a lot of them come back and say. Hold out as long as you can. Well, look in your look in the pews. Look at look at restaurants. Look around. Oh, sure. And the yeah, the little kids are watching videos just to appease them. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to say we didn't do something. Like, hey, you're sitting in front of the TV and watch cartoons. Yep. You know, say I can remember little Kenny. I worked night shift and I had a Super Nintendo. I hooked him up with some Mario Brothers so mm, I could get a, get a nap. You know. Uh, a lot different brothers. than the role pr- playing role playing uh, games now, though. Yes, there's a lot more. Uh, I've got there's a lot of books out there that try to tell what we're setting our kids up for failure. Yeah, well, it's it's one thing if you're playing if you're on a screen when you're home, but now it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like there's no break from it, and there's no break from like you said. I mean, it, you're talking about addictive. I mean, this becomes addictive, oh, yeah, that's, you know, I, and it's I, like you're always looking for another notification, another hit, another, you know, has anybody lost my message? And then, you know, it sounds like you're getting, kids are getting on there and sometimes they're not getting another life. They're getting, I mean, who knows what kind of message, you know, from that's somebody. Right. And kids, I mean, I, the stats show that teenagers are more depressed. There's more suicides among teens now than I feel like there's more, ever been more before. More body shaming. More body shaming, yeah. all of that, man. It's more just, uh, predators. Um, think about if you've got a daughter. Mm-hmm. How old is she? She's 11. Okay. So, you know, she gets on there, starts making friends with somebody. Who do you know? Do you know this person? Right. You know, Snapchat. Uh, there's so many new ones coming out. Every time a, every time somebody does something to try to uh, curb it, a new uh, social media site comes out. And here we go again with the same thing. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's very detrimental, especially to our young women. And, and I don't understand... Uh, again, driving down the road, I'm guilty of it too. Everybody's done it. Your kids are in the back seat watching what y'all do yeah. on your phones. At home, you walk into the house. If your kid gets home from school and mom and dad are home, are they both sitting on the couch or yeah. separated looking on their phone? Uh, that's why me and my wife vowed to start reading more this year, mm-hmm. you know, instead of because you do wonder when you look at each other, especially with a spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. What are they looking at? Mm-hmm. I wonder what they're looking at. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and it can cause a lot of problems. Sure, it can. Same thing in school it, it, with kids. Did there, you see what so and so posted? And there are schools that are implementing cell phone bans that they're not allowed in school anymore, especially a lot of private schools. And there, and there's a lot of results are saying students are actually pretty happy about it. Like they hate it at first; it's yeah. the worst. But after like a month. Two months, like the longer they go, I think over they actually Europe, are happy. I think over in Europe or somewhere they're doing a... Yeah, England's yeah. starting to do a, a full, full no base. school yeah. in England allowed yeah. to have cell phones. Yeah. Well, it's like, and I know you, uh, I guess you still work out. You look like you do. You still work I worked out, out today. Yeah. There you go, yeah. And so, you know, it's... Why don't you say it, that about me, Jerry? Uh, well, we were I'm just talking to him. You know, I wasn't thinking about you. Uh, <laughs> in Europe, it's like, you can read this in medical journals now. If you go in with an illness... Or something, uh, or you know, you're on the depression, you know, some sort of mental illness, anxiety. Like before they give you medication, mm-hmm. a lot of times they're going to talk to you about your sleep, mm-hmm. your diet, and your exercise. And that's what they're going to prescribe first. That's try right. to get you, you know, right. try to get you seven hours of sleep a night. Hey, let's cut out 
all of this or whatever. Let's you need to, you need to work out three times a week for at least thirty minutes or go on a walk every day. And then if you're not better in, in six weeks, come back. You know, and I think it's like You know what in, one they're adding to it now? What's that? Screen time. I believe it. Because your mental health, again, if you lay in bed, uh, <laughs> I said this to somebody the other day. I said, if you went to the bathroom without the phone, how long would you stay in there? Mm. I yeah. mean, being honest, people sit till their legs go numb, scrolling, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah, we can't be without it. <laughs> yeah, we can. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah, but I wish I didn't have to have mine which, half the time. I know, man. I know. We, um, yeah, not to beat a dead horse, but I think like it's. People would be shocked if they go on their whatever it is, their battery or whatever. You can mm-hmm. check on your phone. You can mm-hmm. see how many hours you spend a week in your different, you know, apps. We all talk about how we don't have enough time to do this or do that. It's like we got the time. It's well, just how many people are stealing from their employee the mm-hmm. time there? Oh, I mean, think sure. about that. Watching YouTube or yeah, Snapchat yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. When you could be concentrating on your your profession. Yeah. You know. But, again, I mean, we've all done it. I've done it. I post stuff every once in a while. I've tried to lay back because I'm I'm not as into it as everybody else, and I feel like uh, some things should be private. Yeah. But I, I, I do think uh, it's a fact that if you read, it does increase your IQ. I'm oh, really 100%. trying – I mean, mine's so low. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get whatever help yeah, you can. I try to read four or five books at a time. Well, and reading to your kids, and my, this just keeps coming up, like in different articles and different places I'm finding this, like the the success of your children in a lot of ways and their IQ depend heavily on how much a parent reads to them or mm-hmm. calls them to read. And so it's like – and again, but it's so easy. It's, it's so easy to put the screen there and, like, you know, and the kids complain about it and it's not as exciting as a YouTube video or whatever, that, but, man, it's that important. That pulls me back to why I do what I do. We talked about the kids. Do you know what I mean? I try to get not to get emotional here because this is a good. Know, this is a safe listen, place to get emotional. Listen, listen, I know what you drive. Okay, if you push that button too much, I might write you a ticket when you leave. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, how many kids I've come across that have never had their parents sing uh, mm-hmm. ABCs and one two threes? Uh, me and my wife started doing a. Uh, like around Christmas, we'll do something with a group of kids. Um, and like we did gingerbread houses. How many kids have not ever done that? We took a group out years ago to uh, a restaurant, uh, a buffet. Oh, that's How cool. many kids have not been to that? Yeah. You know, I mean, there's there's so many. They're normal. And I understand that because, again, living where you don't get to go out to eat three days a week, or some of them are eating out every day Yeah, in, in, in the – the, the more, I guess, uh, richer homes, yeah. you know, it, it's convenient to eat out every night than to cook yeah. and sit around the table. Totally. Uh, but these kids, were, you know, food bags, we're, we're doing everything we can to try to make them feel somewhat normal at home. That's great, man. But, it, but it's, it's, it's just, uh, you know. You know, I took it. My daughter has, uh, she's getting over pneumonia, and last night she said that she's not been eating real well. And she was like, I just, well, the only thing I really sounds good to me is McDonald's fries. And I was like, I'll get you McDonald's fries. And so we got in the vehicle and it was a long drive through. And so I kept her in the vehicle, locked it, kept, you know, everything running, but I went in, got the fries. And while I was there, I saw this family, um, that was laughing and they were, I don't know what they were doing in the little game room, but they were in the game room and the kids just seemed to be so excited. And I went out and I told Nora, I was like, there was a family in there and, and, and just, you know, I mean, 
right or wrong, like judging a book by its cover. I'm like a family that didn't seem like they had a ton just based mm-hmm. off, you know, what they're wearing and all that. And I, and I said, but this family, I said, baby, you should see how happy these kids were. Right. And they're laughing. And she said, why were they so happy? She goes, do you think they were covering up their sadness? And I was like, what? And I kind of question that is. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, no, baby, I think that they appreciate the fact that they're getting fries. Tonight. That's right. Like, I think that like, they're not taking it for granted. I think like they're genuinely thrilled to death that they get to be at McDonald's. And you know, that's a, a, that's a question I've asked myself since I had children and you know, both my kids are grown, uh, 26 and 22. Did I, uh, protect them too much? Mm by giving them certain things in life. And I, I look back now, you know, I always asked myself that question growing up because I knew what I didn't have that I wanted to give them. Um, and sure. my kids went to the same school their whole life. That was a, for you know, I told you before, not going to happen. We only moved once. Mm. We went from Mark Street to where we live now. Mm. You know, we own 24 acres out Finch. And I ended up buying another place. My daughter lives a quarter mile down our driveway. Oh, that's cool. So, I mean, the I think I did okay. Yeah. I mean, honestly, great, it's not bragging on myself. My, oh, it's it, great, man. I have I'm surrounded by some beautiful people, yeah. you know, uh, especially my wife and daughter who uh, adore me and take care of me like, like I'm a king. That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, my son is successful. He's got a family. You know, he's in the military. Uh, so, I did something right. Yes. I might have been a little yes. screwed up, but yeah. I didn't screw them up as bad as yeah. as, awesome, as I could have, you know. Uh, but again, just my wife is just so great. You, you guys have no idea how how my girls treat me. Mm. I mean, I, like you must last, be doing something right. Man. Like I I come in the house and it's like I'm like you may help you cook. No, go in there and sit down. And I'm like okay, but no, I said go in there and sit down and bring you your food. And I am old school. Mm-hmm. And that offends some people, but she loves it. She That's likes cool. serving. And my daughter, I thought she she'll say she's just like me, but she's a lot like her mama too. Mm. Uh, she's a server. She likes to serve people. Mm. She likes to make people happy. And my son, he's a happy person. He likes to make people happy. I'm the grumpy. I'm the grumpy <laughs> old fart. You know, uh, I just turned fifty this year. So wow, that was that man. was tough for me. Congratulations! To, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't give you the finger, but we're in. The <laughs> so, uh, I just turned forty this year, so yeah, man, well, I, I was a, it's a milestone years. too, man. But you know, it's so I started taking taekwondo. So I grew up in Karate Kid era, you know, oh. and I had nunchucks and I'd beat myself in the head with them all the time. Cobra Kai, man. Yeah, and so I told my wife, I said, "We're going to do taekwondo." And she's like, "I'm not going up there." I said, "Yeah." So she won't go up there unless I go, but we go, and she's really gotten into it. I mean, she thinks she's pretty tough now. Yeah, you know? but <laughs> I wouldn't mess with her. I'll tell you that. The um, you talk about Taekwondo. Have you done uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu? I've I've tried. Listen, I've got a lot of injuries over the okay. years. So Taekwondo is a little bit easier, I guess, than the, on the uh, body. Yeah, and and so the uh, best way for me to explain this is I've rolled a couple times. I did it years ago, and and I was younger. Um, and then I was in the military course and I got hurt. I've got screws and plates in my neck. My back is Jeez. jacked up. My shoulders. From the military? Hurt. Yeah. And then I've gotten hurt in on the job as a police officer. I've gotten hurt. I was a private contractor. I went overseas, did private contract work, uh, to make some money. Uh, that was the only way you're going to make money in law enforcement yeah. or any of that. 
Um, so my hips been so when you when you go to rolling, it's a lot different than Taekwondo. Oh yeah. So in Taekwondo and other martial arts, I want to create space, right? Space mm-hmm. is my friend. So in law enforcement and in the military, space is my friend as well because I'm usually armed, so I can do what I need to do. Mm-hmm. So if I invite you into me, like like jujitsu says, come on in. Yep. That goes against everything I train for. So that's why I don't like it. Yeah. Plus yeah. it hurts. It hurts yeah. real bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Now it is the cardio. Oh, marathon. I've heard that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I've considered putting my my son in it. So we've talked. We've gone back and forth. I think it's it. good for kids. I mean, they'll learn some things. You know, I think it's good for everybody. I'm just not physically sure where I need to be to do that. Yeah. Uh, I grew up street fighting, and again, if I'm on, I'm gonna create space and do what I have to do to to take you out if I need to do that. But other than that, I'm gonna be your friend. I'm gonna try to be nice. I don't want that guy to come out. Yeah, Does yeah, that makes sense. It does tell me about the uh, Woodrow Warrior? Oh, <laughs> Daniel, uh, that's a Daniel Honeycutt uh, yeah. recommendation. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you have school awards every all the time. You have the principal's award. You have grades, and I wanted to create something that recognized the kids that uh, maybe weren't the smartest, uh, or m- maybe they are smart. They just don't do good book work, yeah. or maybe. Uh, you know, their home life is affecting their grades. Their home life is affecting their attendance. There's a lot of things going on that that they can't get these awards, but they're good kids. And so, let's say, for instance, uh, I had a kid that, that uh, she was cold on the playground, so this girl takes her coat off and gives it to her. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, here, I'm okay. You take it. I don't need it. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that make good citizens does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And those are the people who, as they grow, because you know, what were your grades in high school? Not great. Did it make you a better person? No. Did it affect where you are right now? No. You know, now yeah. it can get you into college, yeah. maybe, but uh, your ninth grade GPA play, right. didn't play into the man, the daddy you 100%. are. So we want to recognize those people. So the, I got the fraternal order police involved, the lodge here in town. I'm also a board member with them. Um, and so we just support that. And every year we'll have one that we recognize above all others um, and give them a plaque. But the kids, the kids every nine weeks get a uh, little certificate and they get a $10 gift card for McDonald's. Awesome. And yeah. That's fantastic. It's cool. Man, Anybody can write them up, you know, so. Yeah, well, and you're talking about character, which is. That's it. And, and so Citizenship. Important. Yes, 100%. I think it's Adult like, skills. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The stuff, like you said, not that academics doesn't matter, but you know, I, I had this conversation, I can't remember who it was with recently, but it's like if, you know, a lot of times whenever, I don't even know if they still have this anymore. They have who's who's anymore in school. I know whenever I was in there, like one of them was most likely to succeed. Yeah. And we always voted for whoever pretty much was the best test taker. Like whoever was yeah. like the overachiever. As the far prettiest as like, got Yeah, this and, and, and oftentimes that was not a measure. Of like, if you look at that person's life and and not to take anything away from them, but there's just so much more than the academics. And I love that in school, you're taking opportunity in your team to recognize that, yeah, academics, great, important, do that. But also let's look at the character. Danielle has been a big help with that. I mean, she helps me, and she doesn't have to. She goes out of her way 
to help me print certificates and go through these documents and, and get all this stuff done because I can't predict what my day is going to be like every day, uh, especially if one of the other SROs are out. I could be bouncing around. We have nine different campuses. Mm-hmm. So uh, I could be, or I could have to teach that week, whatever is going on. Are you on. at school all the time? Is that what you're doing? Yes. So yeah. you don't work outside it, of the school? I do. If school if school's out, okay. like today, school's out, uh, they have professional development. Sure. But I took vacation. Okay. So if I didn't, I would be on the street working. Okay. So, but I usually try to save my vacation. I get enough time where, and then we cover the water park during the summer and do some other okay. PR stuff. Uh, it's just according to what the PD wants us to do. Okay. Uh, the set of SROs are, are kind of their, they can move us around. If a shift is short, they've put us on those shift. Uh, those shifts, uh, sometimes during the summer, they may put us on a different schedule than everybody else to help out two shifts, you know. Yeah. So it 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 just depends, uh, but I I honestly try to take off as much as I can during yeah, the summer. Yeah. How long were you working the streets before you were at school? Um, well, like how how long were you? I left in two thousand thirteen. Okay, I started working. Uh, I was around oh four somewhere around there. I started Paragold, and then oh five, and then I left in ten two thousand ten. I had to have neck surgery. So it put me out. I come back six months later, and then I left in 2013 and took a job overseas working. Uh, and my parents were – my dad was in bad health then. He's been in bad health since he, he had a heart attack years ago, and it just went downhill. So mm-hmm. I thought I need to make sure that, you know, financially my family's good in case we need to do anything. Uh, anyway, uh, I went, left for two years, come back in 15, and – I was I was in country seven days. Okay, so I flew in, and then I was here for seven days, and I was back on the street. I had talked to the mayor. I went and tested while I was around Christmas while I was home visiting. Mm. And uh, that was a issue. If I could do anything, rewind, I would have probably took a little bit more vacation because I worked a ball game or something, and I was just like, I felt it. Mm. There was too many people around me I, because – you know, stress is real. Post-traumatic stress, whatever. I don't like the D uh, at the end. Yep. We always talk about that because I'm a functioning member of society. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like that. And I think that eventually that's going to change because it's not a disorder for all people. Mm-hmm. Again, if not for my wife, who's my counselor, mm-hmm. uh, she knows when I start having bad dreams or whatever's yep. going on. Anyway, I come back in 15 and – they had an opening, I think it was 2017 school year, uh, and I applied and got it. And I was I was done. If I, I think if I wouldn't have got that, I was done. I was going to go do something else. I was going to leave. I, I didn't know. I just I, – I was struggling. I wasn't telling anybody, yep. but I was struggling. That's the huge part is being able to have someone to talk to about yeah. it. Yeah. Amy knew. Amy knew uh, some things, but she didn't – you know, she always looks at me just like Savannah does as – well, he's tough. He, he can handle whatever comes yep. his way. But, you know, when you're trying to, money was not that great. Mm-hmm. You know, AG's done great things for the police department. I mean, leaps and bounds. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyway, yeah. that's that's how I ended up in the schools. And, and, and my first year was baptism by fire because uh, Chris Bunch, who, was, who had been there, yes. had a tumor, yes. had to have surgery. So I was just like everywhere all the time. Uh, 
and I love it. I mean, it really, really has. Well, opened, everyone I've talked to heart. sings your praises. Well, you know, whether it's my mom who had a chance to work with you, or you know, Daniel Honeycutt, or you know, uh, I can't remember. There's several people I've I've connected with. Just even you know, knowing you were coming on the podcast, and um, you're doing a fantastic job. You're in the right position. At least it seems like it from where I sit. I I wonder from just you know those who might be listening to this, and we'll move to some rapid fire questions here shortly. But um, as far as working in the in in the police force, like the working working the streets, like is that as stressful as it seems like it would be like from a civilian standpoint? Like I look at that and I'm like, you know, I, I'm guessing the majority of your calls, were they, were they, were they domestic? Or are they like, well, it just depends. I mean, um, so I was all about trying to get dope when I worked. That, that was one of my dopes and drunks was my favorite thing to do. Uh, I, I would, I would set out and I would just, I mean, I was chasing taillights is what we call them trying to figure out a reason, watching them. Oh, they didn't use their blinker. Okay, now now I can get in there and try to figure out what's going on. And you really get good. You hone your skills the more you do certain things. Like, what do you uh, mean by that? I mean, I know what you mean well, by like honing your skills, but how does go, that work? So I'm going to ask you a question, yeah. and I want you to lie to me. Okay. What's your date of birth? Uh, it's, uh, there he is, right there. Right there. You said, uh, I knew right then you were thinking, because most people do not have to think. What's your Social Security number? If you know it, you're going to spit it out. So you start looking for the little things. You start watching the little mannerisms that they do. And if you get really good, sometimes, and I always, I always, I think I told Danielle this one time, you know, uh, God gives certain gifts to certain people. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the gift of discernment. Yes. Okay. So yeah. when I see people, sometimes I see, and, and I'm not special. I'm not trying to say I'm. Sure. But I believe he gave me the ability to see some things other people cannot yep. see. Yeah, and uh, it's I, I have been wrong, but the majority of the time I'm right. You mean like you can read people well? Yeah, and, like and you, you can tell you, if someone you is you get to know them, you can find out like this guy person is yeah. telling the or truth. Or you just or get not. that spotty sense comes up on you. And Something's off here. Yep. Have you ever felt like you were in danger as even the police force, like or oh, no? Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially during. The last, you know, couple of years we had where everybody was burning everything down. I was like, shit, am I in the right job or what? Yeah. You know, because, I mean, I'm all for it. I'm in. You know, the worse things get, the more I think I'm supposed to be there. Uh, and I know that doesn't make sense to some people, but uh, I can remember, like, uh, my boys overseas and my wife, she would give any amount of money right now if you could pick me up and set me with him just to protect him and it may not make sense to some people but she believes that much in me yeah that, that did that come from you early on like like in your childhood is that where that came from because you know there's two different responses you know this right like yeah. to, to fear so i'm guessing you, yeah absolutely some people are freeze right you're either gonna run you're gonna yeah. freeze you're gonna and like i'm guessing like you have fear just like anybody oh, else yeah. but your fear drives you to you said like kind of ante up to where it's like okay here we go like i'm gonna well, jump I don't in want the to fire fight. That, that's the thing i I believe the the right um, persona you put off. Sometimes you can avoid the fight. You know, you, you look at you see this Latin phrase on my arm. Uh -huh. It's it's sic vic pacum parabellum. If you want peace, prepare for war. Is that not what? Let's. I don't want to get political, but Israel is that is that kind of. Uh -huh. They're a small little big country surrounded by everybody that hates them, but they've got their fist up and they said, "Look, I don't want no problems." 
But if you come here, you're going to get more than you can handle. That's just the way I, I've, I've tried to teach my kids to be. Mm-hmm. You know, don't go looking for it. Uh, I have been a bully before, too. I mean, I have been bullied. I've been the bully. Yep. It is. And sometimes in this job, you you have to be a little bit of a bully because there are people who who will hurt kids and women and they'll do anything they can to hurt you. So if – and I'll, I'll say this. This is personal, and I'll say this. When, when I got back uh, from overseas, I had – talk to uh, the VA, and I just felt like maybe I need to try to take something to just chill me out just mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, like a mental health, I don't know, like Lexapro or whatever yeah, sure, it is, sure. you know, trying to figure things out. And I did, and my wife saw it. I saw it. I was not me. Mm-hmm. So that was – I didn't have that mm-hmm. oomph that I needed when it was supposed to be there. So God had put it there for a reason. Mm-hmm. I needed to learn how to control it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But don't we all? Oh, for sure. You know, some people are too nice. Some some people are too mean. Yep. It's hard to be perfect. Yeah. But uh, I'm just trying, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah, aren't we all? My kids are, are my reward. My wife, my life. I love it. I mean, like today, I mean... I didn't have to work today. I got up, had me some coffee with a little bit of Bailey's in it. That's go. that's that's my jam the right Bailey's? there. That that's like my. You say yeah. Bailey's? What's yeah. the Bailey's do? No Bailey's. Bailey's. Oh, they said Bailey's. I mean, I'm like, never heard of that I'm in my pastor. life. Yeah. Pastor, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you should have slipped, slipped, slipped some in his coffee. Now. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> right. You should have just told me. Oh yeah, Bailey's. Because I was gonna go try it the next day. Like, oh, it's great, dude. Totally. Yeah. Go he drinks it. mushroom coffee. So yeah. I do drink mushroom yeah. coffee. That's true. Uh, yeah, I've never had mushrooms, so I don't. Do know. You want some before you? No, leave? I'm, I don't. I don't. It ain't. It ain't shrooms. It's it's like dirt. Oh, it's not like dirt. The closest it gives you calm that. energy. You need to try some mushroom coffee. I should have. Yeah. Uh, you should text uh, uh, Stephanie and ask her, or Brooke. Yes, to boil the water. Do you like coffee? You like you like coffee? Yeah. You said it. Yeah, I drink. Ask them coffee. to ask them if they'll boil some water and just do. Unless you want the cup too, like Listen, two cups, half cup of, of mushroom coffee. Now, now, what what if if you were to order one coffee, what would it be? If just I was one coffee, to- you can only have one coffee for the rest of your life. What kind of coffee is that going to be? I'm just going to go straight black. You're talking about like what okay. kind of roast or okay. what? I just want to make sure you're cool like that. Yeah, dude. I because yeah, I'm not my putting grandpa, like, okay. My grandpa, Strope, was a mean dude. Okay. Uh-huh. And he, uh, I can remember, if you put anything in that coffee, boy, he'd just wear you out. Because <laughs> he would put salt in his sometimes. And so I didn't understand that. And I, start, I started asking. And when you, he grew up in the Depression. Yeah, take out era, the bitterness. Take out the bitterness. Yeah, that yeah. put salt in mm-hmm. the coffee. But, I mean, this is a guy, let me tell you, if I got any meanness, this is where it come from. Like, I mowed his yard one time, and he gave me, like, a dollar. You know? I mean, he slept with his wallet in his pillow with rubber bands all over it. When I lived with him after I got out of the military for a little while, it was funny because he said, yeah, you can live over here if you pay half the rent, half the house payment. I said, okay. No, paid half of everything. The... The, the inspection, the homeowner's insurance. It's a different generation, I mean, man. He was was like, he the World War II generation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was a cool old man, but he he was boy he was he was something else. Dude, my grandpa, my mom's uh, dad, uh, whenever he was even coming home from, he was in the nursing home, 
and was coming in. Uh, we're basically bringing him home for like two or three hours just because we knew the last time he was going to get a chance to come home before he died. And they bring him home in an ambulance, and he, they're pulling him out in the stretcher to kind of take him into the house. And he's like, Betty, these hedges need to be straightened up. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. why yeah. would you care about that? You know, but they, everything they had, man, they wanted to take care well, of now, it. Now, I'm a little bit that way, too. I mean, if you got my wife on here and said, uh, is he weird? And she would say, yes, let me tell you how many ways. Because, mm-hmm. like, my clothes, I like to rotate them out. And my sock drawer looks, you mm-hmm. know, uh, it's That's just got to be a military thing. Yeah, it is, but it's OCD as well. Like hers, you open it up, looks like a bomb exploded in there. <laughs> yes. I mean, I don't understand how she's you can probably live really that good way. for you because I'm kind of like you. I can be a little bit, uh, ain't a little bit like I'm a type Anal. A personality. Yes, yeah. I want everything kind of in my wife is just not that way. We well, don't look with hair and beard like you do without being a little bit that way, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, seriously, they, yeah, I guess so, man. And so, but it's really when I when. When Megan and I, you know, they say opposites attract and then yes. attack. No, it's And true. that happened because, and, and, and now I see such a value in personality tests and all these things, which I'm, I may be obsessed over. I maybe take too many. I'm all the time <laughs> sending them personality tests, our staff. But it's like, you want the person. It's like when I look at who I wanted to marry, when I made a list, I basically wanted to marry a really pretty version of myself. Is what I wanted. That's yeah, a little creepy. It's a little creepy. <laughs> it's really, yeah, narcissist, whatever it is. And But I, what I realized is when Megan and I got married, I would be so frustrated because she wasn't as hardcore about some of the things that yeah. I was. And yeah. I realize now, if I would have married someone that was just like me, like it would have seriously been like World War Three. Oh, yeah. And it's been such it'd, a great balance for me. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's been a great balance for me to realize, like these things that I stress out over sometimes really aren't that big of a deal. And there's also some times where I can give her <laughs> a little bit of a gentle nudge in a way yeah. that she wants it to be. So, Well, it's you know my wife. Well you yeah. know my wife. You know one of our our biggest fights after we first got married was she didn't know how to make biscuits. I mean, come on. Literally his example. That's my story. I'm like, how do you not know how to make biscuits? I mean, that is my story. So what did you do about that? I just kept telling her she needed to learn how to make biscuits. (laughs) Well, here's what I did. I'm so, she burnt a lot and we have this running joke in the family. I mean, if something Something is burning. Amy's probably cooking. You know? <laughs> now, I love her, and that's a joke. Yeah. Uh, she cooks all the time without burning things, but, you know, it is what it is. Hey, listen, we I don't know how many ladies listen to this podcast. She's just going to be glad I mentioned her name because <laughs> she well, loves you to death. Well, that's that's really encouraging. That's great. I When when Megan, I'm not at all proud of this. Like, I, like listen, ladies, if you're listening right now, no, I'm telling on myself. I'm not bragging on myself. Uh, when we came home from our honeymoon, I asked my grandma to come over and teach my wife how to make cornbread and biscuits. What's wrong with that? Well, uh, <laughs> listen, I could probably think timing. Yeah. That was, yeah. That's yeah. one. Yeah. No, I'm right. There. I'm, I'm just, I'm laughing at you, but I understand. I understand. I didn't have that opportunity. Uh, my grandmother's, uh, one of them passed away in 87. One of them passed away in 88. Mm. So I didn't have a lot of that. And, again, moving around so much, we didn't stay, yeah. you know, uh, with them a whole lot. You know? Do you so, do most of the cooking now? No, I don't do any cooking. Yeah, you said that while ago, Amy. So yeah. that's great. I'm, no, I'm, we split we're, we're about more, 50-50 in our we're house. We're more traditional. Uh, yeah. Like I said, when I 
I and she believes this way. And I, now, listen, she's a farm girl. She grew up on a farm. Oh, I know. She ain't afraid to get out there and mow the yard and do what needs to be done. Yeah. For Father's Day, they cleaned the garage for me, which That's was great. great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It took a big, huge stressor off. And she worries about me, my stress because of what I do and how much I go, go, go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but. Uh, so Jennifer Pemberton, you know, Jennifer Morgan, you know who I'm talking about. She's my cousin, and and she's one of my faves too. Because uh, again, I just turned fifty. She put together her and Amy put together this uh, uh, big birthday party up the lake, and I mean it was just great. You know, I didn't I, those memories for me as a kid. I don't, I don't remember a whole bunch of birthday parties. So when I told my wife that, she was like, "Well, you've got to have one." Wow, that's so cool, man. yeah, they that's they're special. really really awesome. I, my my little village. My little inner circle is really small. I don't have a mm-hmm. lot of those. Uh, I don't hang out with my immediate family, uh, probably like I should, uh, since Dad passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I always told my kids, because, you know, there's certain things that follow families. Um, and I I wanted I wanted different things. Yeah. And, and you know, what, what really pisses me off the most is when you try to do better and people th- – they put this term on you that you think you're better than them. Mm. So, boy, it really just irritates me. Because if you're trying to get out of poverty, yeah, it ain't that you don't remember it. It's yeah. just you don't want your kids to grow up Absolutely. that way and live that way. So that's why I told them we're going to break a branch off this tree and we're going to start a new one. Okay? And this is our family tree over yeah. here. Uh, so, I mean. Well, a little I, bit of that's what you're talking about, leaving and cleaving. That's know? right. And so, so. You know, we've we're we're just a lot different. We we uh, we tend to do things on our own ourselves, and I like that because I'm again I don't like to be around everybody all the time. Mm-hmm. Does, that make, does that make sense to you? Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, you know, I'm a, I told you I was a realist. I I'll, like I'll that. tell you really what I, want I think. You to be real. It's a lot more interesting. If you piss me off, I'm gonna really tell you what I That's feel. That's fantastic. And I, if, I and if you're answer. not good for me. If you're if yeah. you're only going to come in there to try to push my buttons, I don't yeah. want to be around you. Yeah, yeah. I, I that's I an adult that. skill, is it not? I think, man. Well, it's a lost art, I guess. A lost skill. I think that, and I've had this conversation with uh, my wife and other people. Is and obviously, you know, my day jobs. I'm a I'm a pastor, and you're a what? Now? Yeah, a pastor. Oh. Did you know that about me? You wouldn't have been here if you knew that, huh? And and sometimes, like I, I think, like we're really. We're really fortunate, and I think that we have a church of, of a bunch of people who know like they're jacked up, they're broken, they're yeah, imperfect, yeah. and they can be honest about that. But I don't have – it's very hard for me to spend time around somebody in the religious world who you can just tell early on, and maybe it doesn't have to be the religious world, it's other places too, where someone is just not being true to yeah. who they are. They're not being honest, and it's like it's just – it's a, it's lonely to be with those people. It's frustrating to be with those people. Sometimes I, I do that. Sometimes I present myself maybe better than what I really am, and and a lot of that's out of a fear of rejection of, like, I just want this person to like me, and so, like, I'm going to put my best face forward. And some people aren't safe to be honest around. You know, no, Does that no, make sense? Right. It's yeah, like, no. But, like, the people, and that's, that's probably why you have a close circle, is, like, you know those are people – who you can be honest with and they're not leaving. Like they're going to stick around. Like they yeah. can, they can, and they're going to be honest with you back. And that's special. And it's better to have, I think, a small group of people that you can do that with than a large group of people that you're not doing that with anybody. Shoot, you know? I don't know how you read that one on me because that's a big vulnerability of mine. You know, I, I can be my boss, I can be by myself for months, years, days, whatever. But as long as I know I've got something there waiting on me. Yeah, you know, 
when you're deployed or or anywhere, you that's what you look forward to. You look forward to the day you get to go back, and and that's that's uh, something special. Like my boy right now, when he gets home and he's mm-hmm. got a wife about to pop a baby out, and he's got a little grandbaby. That's going to be yeah. uh, you. That feeling is just something you can't describe. Yeah, it's awesome, man. Well, there's so much more we could talk about, and I'd love to be able to do that. But I'm gonna be Over respectful a glass of, your, of bourbon. Yeah, we could do that. We could do a glass of bourbon. Um. But for the sake of time, and since we don't have any bourbon, <laughs> I'll just uh, move into rapid fire questions. All right. All right. So, what is either the last show or movie you watched or book that you read? Uh, we watched the Rise of the Beast Transformers. We rented it the other day. We were, I'm a little nerdy. Yeah, like good. that. Transformers, man. That was probably big back in your childhood, too. Oh, yeah. 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 We really, I mean, that was something my kids grew up watching. So. So the new one had come out. We always wait now. They're uh, they're pretty entertaining movies. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite band? Favorite band? Or you're just your favorite artist? I've got such a big genre of music on my playlist. I'll have anything. I mean, uh, honestly, man, I got Green Day is one of my all time favorites. I would have I got never introduced to them. Green Day fan. Oh, I got introduced to them when I was in the military. These Ohio boys had a had they would have a party every weekend, yeah. and that's it was Green Jello at first. I think when they they first come out, and then they got sued and had to change their name. I can't remember all of that, but uh, now of course I like country music, um, and and then Elvis Presley. I mean, super stud right there. Yeah. You know the. I've memorized more of his songs than he, probably anything else. Eric Church, again, Southern Rock, those yeah. kind. But That's what get, I would have paid you as, a Southern Rock guy. Yeah, I mean, I, most of it, but, I mean, there's some there's some rap. I, I don't like the new rap, yep. but like some old Sir Mix-a-Lot and things like yeah, that, yeah. you know. I mean, again, I can go into every genre pretty much and find something. You can I respect even, every genre. Yeah, like uh, the, the soundtrack to, uh, oh, what is it? Last of the Mohicans, one of my favorite soundtracks of all time. Huh. I mean, just because never watched the movie or listen to the soundtrack. Oh my so gosh. now I need to check it out. Yeah, because once you watch the movie, then when the music plays, you, you feel it, it. Yeah. and it's intense. That's yeah. awesome. That's great, man. What well, a favorite Green Day song? Do you have it? Green Day. Yeah, favorite Green Day. Uh, Boulevard, Broken Dreams. I mean, the original name was Blood Rage. Okay, and then Sweet Children. Before they went to Green Day. Okay. Well, I was wrong on that one. Wow. Uh, Green Jello sounds a lot better than all right. Blood why Rage. Have, why do you have this guy up here? <laughs> He's a fact check. check. I need fact you checks. to That's all take he a does picture all of his day vehicle. long. Take a picture of his vehicle. And yeah, I got you. I got your back. I would never do that to no. you. And, and now, if you say book, I'm gonna, you said that well ago, right? Yes, yeah, me. Yep. Um, I just got done reading uh, The Wisdom of the Bullfrog. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, a, that guy Admiral, was on a Jocko podcast. Admiral uh, uh, McKinney, I think is his name. God, yeah. Was but that good? The, oh, yeah. Which, it's 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 about leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the oldest living active, active is a key word, Navy SEAL. So you have to be active. Yeah. He is the bullfrog. Yeah. And so that's what it's, it's just yeah. leadership skills. I started listening to, uh, he was on a podcast with Jocko, and I'm not finished yet because it's like four hour long podcast, but yeah. I wanted to check out that book. Um. It's your last meal. What would you mm-hmm. eat? Mm. You don't have to worry about calories. You ain't going to worry okay. about if it's going to get on your gut. Okay. Stuff. I think uh, 
a good meatloaf. No, mm, I'd have to go you chicken, can do chicken, you can chicken fried steak, meatloaf. Great. I gotta have me some fried potatoes. Yeah, fried taters. You know, yeah, uh, crunchy. A little bit of crispy. I can eat them either way, but okay. I do like them. I do like them crispy. Okay. Because with Amy cooking, who knows how they're gonna be? <laughs> <laughs> they're probably gonna be crispy you, no buddy. matter what. Yeah. Uh, she has really perfected that over the years, and now we eat a lot of fried sweet potatoes. I don't know if you've ever tried I've it. Never tried it. That Cut works. them up, throw them in. A, you don't cook them near as long. Oh, they're awesome. Sometimes they'll caramelize just a little bit too. I didn't do you that. Know. Uh, that's why I'm fat. Okay. <laughs> Um, I love it. Meatloaf. What'd you say? Meatloaf and what? Fried well, chicken fried steak. Chicken fried steak. That's a good chicken fried steak. Oh, and if I go you anywhere, usually, yeah, white gravy, pepper gravy. If I go pepper anywhere, uh, that's usually what my first. I can gauge your restaurant by your chicken fried steak. Who's yeah. got good chicken fried steak around here? Uh, Grecian's is pretty good. Is it really? Yeah, but that's about the only thing I eat there. Okay. Uh, I just don't go there anymore. Yeah. Uh, we don't, should get back to it. Some good people. Well, we, we, we don't eat out as much as some people. But when we were growing up, you know, the kids anyway, our rule was Wednesday night, Sundays when we ate out because church. Yeah, same with us. So we, we cooked the rest of the week. Yep. You know, it was cheaper. Yeah. Uh, Still but, but but again, a fried bologna sandwich is one of the greatest things. Throw I've that ever. on there too, man. What yeah. are you going to do for dessert? Uh, yeah, I would have to probably go with some pecan pie, which Danielle Honeycutt loves pecan pie. You need to get her a subscription to Pecan Pie. Like is this a, a joke or yes. is this? I was her picking a up on your tail. I was yeah, watching. Yeah. Send her a picture of one to see what happens. <laughs> uh, but Pecan Pie with a little bit of ice cream, maybe a little whipped topping on there. That's great. <sighs> that's, that's a good meal. That's a good yeah. meal. Uh, what is on your nightstand right now? Well, I was told to tell you lamp. Shauna hit and and uh, Lee Blythe wanted me to make sure I stuck that one in there, but I do have a. I don't know what's so funny about it, lamp. Uh, wasn't that what she ended up saying she was thankful for? No laundry, laundry. That's laundry. what it was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but my lamp has a green light in it. So being a veteran, uh, my outside lights on my house have green lights. But also, I learned that when I get up middle of the night, because most of the time I do, if I flick that white light on, I can't see. Yeah. So I put a green light in there, and it it's dumbed down. Huh. So I can get up without disturbing her, you know, go do whatever I need to do and come it's back. It's a veteran move what? right there. Oh, playing yeah. words. So g- wait, g- green lights on the outside of your house mean that you're a veteran? Well, yeah, you support veterans. You're oh. a veteran. Oh. I didn't uh, know Some that. people put blue lights out. Yeah. Uh, don't put a red light. Yeah, I, I always associated colored yeah. lights with drugs. That's all no, I associate no, it with. Red light's supposed to mean whorehouse. Yeah. Oh, don't do that one. You can cut that out of the thing. Oh, no, hey, that's information <laughs> that we need. But, but, <laughs> but the blue lights, some people that uh, uh, support police put blue lights on the outside of their home. Huh. Uh, so if you drive around and see that, sometimes yeah. it's maybe their law enforcement, maybe their kid is green on your lights or, or veterans. Uh, I think they started doing that years ago, but I like it inside the house. Okay. Uh, and then I got. I got the wisdom of the bullfrog sitting there in my reading glasses. I've got um, another book, The Body Keeps Score. That's oh, a yeah. great book. Well, I got who a, turned you on to that? Um, somebody about trauma. I was talking oh, a counselor. So incredible. It might have been Allison Poe. I can't remember who it was, but it was a counselor, and she was saying you need to read this book because it might help you. Yeah. Because I hurt. You know, I have yes. pain in my own body. Yes. So, and then that's the. Ex- Excerpt I had right there from uh, from from Body Keeps the Score. Yeah, 
Body keeps score. Is you want to read that? Is, yeah. You, you Let's see. I hope it doesn't have any big words in it. Uh, as we now know, war is not the only calamity that leaves human lives in ruins. While about a quarter of the soldiers who serve in war zones are expected to develop serious post-traumatic problems, the majority of Americans experience a violent crime at some time during their lives, and more accurate reporting has revealed that 12 million women in the United States have been victims of rape. 12 million women, that's crazy. More than half of all rapes occur in girls below the age of 15. For many people, the war begins at home. Each year, about 3 million children in the United States are reported as victims of child abuse and neglect. One million of these cases are serious and credible enough to force local child protective services or the courts to take action. In other words, for every soldier who serves in a war zone abroad, there are 10 children who are endangered in their own homes. This is particularly tragic. It is very difficult for growing children to recover when the source of terror and pain is not enemy combatants but their own caretakers. And and remember this, that's the ones that are reported. Yeah. So think of all the uh, incestual rapes, the party rapes, and, and the other things that go on that aren't reported. Now, there's young men in this category as well. Uh, and we wonder what's wrong. Mm-hmm. There's there's real tragedy going on among our children. And, and the drug going full circle, the drug use plays into this sometimes. The home abuse plays into this sometimes about what's going on inside the home, all the dirty little secrets. And it, and it does cross all lines, whether yeah. you're wealthy or you're poor. Yeah, this trauma that you're talking about, um, you know, for those who don't, you know, if you don't want to go read the book, it's a big, thick book. Just the idea is that you need to know for now is that the trauma you experience as a kid stays with you. Mm-hmm. And there's different types of trauma. Again, there's like there's like the, you know, metaphorically speaking, like the shotgun blast at the chest, which is like right. a, a death, a divorce, rape, things like that. But then there's there's thousands of little T traumas we experience, which is like a paper cut in some ways. But the thing about a paper cut is if it doesn't heal properly, if you get a thousand of them, that's gonna mess up your life. Yeah. And your body, because you're not a you're not a brain on a stick. So like your your body and your brain are constantly sending messages back to one another and it's all interconnected. And so like if something happens, it's not just like stuck up there in your head and it affects, that's what she's talking about. Like you can begin to experience chest pain, uh, whatever it is, leg pain, hip pain, shoulder pain, right? The tension between your eyes, the, the constant like, ah, oh, my neck, you know, whatever it is. Like right. she's, you know, the, the case, I can't remember the author's name right now, but she's making the point that a lot of that is because of the trauma we've experienced in our life. So you have to learn how to get healing from that trauma. And one of the greatest ways you can do it, <clears throat> talk to any therapist out there, is just telling your story. So finding a space, somebody you can trust who you can share your story with, and no, it's not going to be held against you. No, you can yell, you can cuss, you can scream, you can cry, you can do whatever, and you're not going to be shamed. The story's going to be held. And just by retelling the story out loud is enough to begin to kind of rewire right. the brain. Some healing. Trauma. Mm-hmm. Some healing. Yeah, 100%. Um, Great. I, have, I have another book. It's called The Tender Warrior. If you've uh, never read it, you need to read it. I haven't it. heard of it. Stu Weber, I think, is the uh, – it's either Stu Weber or Steve Farrar. Uh, I read it years ago. It really – uh, had such an impact on me as a young father, uh, as a young husband, uh, really, really changed the way I viewed a lot of things. Uh, but it goes back to having a heart yet being a warrior. 
Yeah. Uh, so it's huge. Uh, well, we need, we need more of that in our we society. We do need more of that in that in, the, in our society. And, and and I'll say this, and, and we'll move on to rapid fire questions. But I think you hit on a really important point, and that is. So I had an Army Ranger friend who's actually a pastor uh, who who hung himself in his church office a couple mm-hmm. years ago, and he's like one of the toughest guys I've ever met. You know, but he wasn't able to really get inside, get in touch with that tender side of him and, and just let himself be emotional and let himself talk about these things that were hurting him and I ate him alive. And I was talking with a guy who's been a therapist for me. It was in Nashville, Jeff Schulte. And, and we were talking about this and, and he said, you know, Jared, uh, being the man, right? Like, you know, just the, whatever tough guy. The, the tough guy. He goes, that has yeah. a shelf life on it. It does. And he says, you know that. He said the military needs to make guys that because they need to be killing machines. They need to. They need to make them into that. And he's like, and it works really well in war, but it doesn't work in civilian life. And you can't just wire someone that way and then deprogram them. Yeah. And they come back in. And so, uh, I've got a friend of mine who's is in the army right now, uh, Rod Sterling, and he said that it seems like the military is starting to put a lot more emphasis on emotional health than what I think that was like never a thing no. for a while and now they're starting to realize like we got a real problem out here yeah. like we've we've made these killing machines worked well but like they can't go home in civilian life and so we need to try to figure out how do we do that so anyways i just my point is if you're listening to this manning up only works for so long yeah. eventually it catches up to you uh give us a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life that brings you great joy i don't last night was regular moment my daughter had come uh, down to the house she called she made mashed potatoes with the skins on, like the way her daddy likes them. There you go. So, I mean, she's doing You're this You're being pampered. You're being spoiled a little <laughs> bit. And then Amy had made macaroni and cheese, and uh, they had they had uh, cooked a, uh, uh, what do you call it, ham with the, uh, I can't think the of it. spiral ham? Yeah, but it's got the special stuff on the top of it. Oh, it like a honey glazed ham or something? No, not honey, but okay. it's it's got the yeah. brown sugar. There you go, brown sugar ham. Sounds wonderful. So yeah, Jeez. and then we had green beans and. What? Well, that's an ordinary moment in your life. No, that that's the you said a good great yeah I yeah mean, that's every Wednesday night just about. But last night we had a special one because you know I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Last question: What is one thing that you're deeply grateful for right now? Um, I really honestly, it's the opportunity just to be able to serve. I mean, I know it sounds cheesy. Um, I just, I, if you'd have known me when I was 16, I would have been the most likely to go to jail, uh, or get killed. You know, I don't know. Cause I was really, uh, reckless and I knew, I, I knew something had to change or something bad was going to happen. I had to get out of here. I had to get out of Paragould. I had to get out of away from everybody I knew and f- figure out how to be a man, uh, like I said, my daddy was one of the greatest guys I ever knew, but uh, I needed something different. Mm-hmm. I don't know why God mm-hmm. made me the way I was. I just had to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so the uh, military played a part into that, but my wife, when I met her, uh, again, a different part of me became something else. Mm-hmm. And then when I had kids, again, a new chapter opened up. Yeah. And then when I became an SRO, all that hardness from all those years of just trying to be really badass. You know, I was on the SWAT team. I was, I worked all night. I, I just always worked and it opened up something else that I needed. Just been around the kids. Yeah. It's, it's just the emotional support that I have to give them. 
you know, of course, I still need it too. I sure. mean, I'm I'm not going to say I don't, but uh, I wonder how long my shelf life is for being an SRO. I worry about that as well. You know, how long can I be the emotional support before I'm just like, okay, I'm on empty. Yeah. You know? uh, again, you being a preacher, they come up to how many times do people come up to you and you're supposed to have the answer for everything. Yeah. It's life. It sucks. I need to know what to do to fix it. And that's what we are. We're fixers, me and you. It's what we do. We try to fix everything. But sometimes it's not a problem. And that's why I tell the kids, maybe there's nothing wrong with you. Maybe maybe we just need to approach it from a different angle. Mm -hmm. Because I don't believe we're all messed up. We are broken in pieces. That's that, can, can, what do you call it, uh, name? Uh, Kintsugi, maybe? Mm -hmm. You know what that is? Yeah, the art. The art. Yeah, art yeah, yeah. They take gold. the gold, crack, the gold yeah. put in the crack. And I, I believe that the good Lord's <laughs> done that to me several times. Yeah. Uh, different pieces of me have been welded back together and made into a different person. Yeah. Uh, but again, I'm surrounded by beautiful people. Mm -hmm. uh, some of my friends, Jason Elms, I mean, great guy, talked to. Uh, I don't know if you know him. He's a captain I in know the police him, department. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Amy, <laughs> the kids, Jennifer, uh, Danielle. There's, I could just go on. Kevin Gill, the experience mm -hmm. he's given me, you know, John Fulkerson. I'm, I work uh, Dr. Gene Koviak, you know. Yeah, he's, he's great. He's a big, silent beast he's right great, there. Man. He's very knowledgeable. Yeah. Uh, Chief Stovall, yeah. you know, Britt McCain. I mean, I could just go on and on about people who have taught me things over the years. And I'm I'm a grown man, but I'm still trying to learn. That's awesome, man. That's called uh, humility. Yeah. I don't yeah, know what that's it what is. it is. And I just, it's, and I it's just what, want to yeah. give back, and that's the only yeah. thing I can do. Uh, I don't know what my next chapter is, but when I'm laying there dead in the casket, I just want they can look at me and tell, "Hey, he 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 tried, yeah, he tried." And if there's anybody out there that says, "Hey, I remember him. He was good to me," and I'm gonna be good to somebody else because he was good to me, awesome. I'll be I'll be okay with that. Yeah, man. Well, that's a great place to end. I'm glad you're serving as well. Thank you so much for making space to be here. Really, really appreciate it. There's a lot for me to take away and others as well. All right, boss. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Officer Kenny Hall has left the building. You might be getting a speeding ticket. <laughs> now you are, I believe. You think so? Yeah, I think it's you. I would want to be pulled over by him. No? I also would not want to play him in cornhole. Is he really good? You talk about that Yeah, Yeah, I think at one point we were probably equals. But he has played more than I have. I'm pretty sure of it over the last couple of years. Sounds like we need to get some more practice in. Uh, yeah, for sure. If I'm going to play him, yeah, absolutely. Hey, so. those those SROs are amazing. Uh, oh yeah. I see the um, one for the primary all over the place. Football games, an FCA event. Like he's just all over the place, loving on those kids. Like from the primary where he's at through the high school. It's awesome to see those guys. It really, really is. So uh, thank you to all the SRO officers who are out there. I know there are, are several of you that are serving our community. And thank you, Kenny Hall, uh, again, for coming on. And for those of you who are still listening, thanks for tuning in. Uh, if you've not done so already, please uh, follow us on Facebook. We're also on Instagram. Give us a like uh, at both of those places. And um, if you've not done this, whatever platform you're listening to us on, whether it be Apple or Spotify, if you will, just real quickly, give us a five-star rating. That'll help people to find us more quickly and learn about the incredible people that are living right here in Parable. So as always, thanks for listening. Until next time.